You're listening to Hockey Night in New York, the premier live podcast covering the New York Islanders and the NHL at large. Here's your hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Tony Stabile. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, December 1st, 2019. Coming at you from the Hockey Night in New York studios on Long Island. Unfortunately, our man Tony Stabile is a little under the weather. He will not be joining us tonight, so you're stuck with me. My name is Sean Cuthbert. Got a big show coming up for you. Brian Compton, the deputy managing editor for NHL.com, will be joining us. So we'll have him on in about 10 minutes. That'll be good stuff there. And hey, folks, the Isles are back on the win column. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about what happened this week and uh, get things going here because for the first time in a very long time, the Islanders finally faced a regulation loss. They played against the San Jose Sharks on Saturday night. We were at the Oyster Bay Brewing Company for that live on-location show. Had a fantastic time there. Want to thank everybody once again for coming out. Had a great crowd out there. The Blue and Orange Army, Devin at Yes Men Outfitters, and Brian with Isles Meetup. Great turnout. We had an absolutely great time. So thank you once again. Great stuff there. Unfortunately, the Islanders did not get the result that we were all looking for. And I guess we'll just start things off there. We'll start talking about these games a little bit. You know, they go out west, and, uh, you know, they hit this skid. The, the, the point streak extends against the Sharks, but, of course, they drop that one in overtime. Then the point streak is ended overall when they go into Anaheim for that 3 to nothing shutout loss to the Ducks. And then, you know, I thought they were going to go into L.A. And, and right the ship after that one against the Ducks, but for whatever reason, the, the wheels continue to fall off. And uh, they lay a stinker out there in L.A. They drop a 4-1 to loss to the lowly kings and all of a sudden you come back from the west coast and the islanders are looking at a three-game winless streak oh two and one and they finally write the ship though last night they have they host columbus at the barclays center and they get a two nothing shutout loss a rare combined shutout loss uh doing due to the fact that thomas grice feeling a little ill about 14 minutes into the first period and he took himself out varlamov came in and he did a good job to get that combined shutout win for the two of them. And uh, 2 nothing. Isles are back in the win column. Hopefully this is a the start of this little streak here after the surprising display out west, especially because, you know, the, the, the West Coast trip has usually been pretty friendly to the Islanders over, the, over recent years. You know, they go out there, they usually snag a couple of points, and for whatever reason they can only come home with one, and maybe getting home kind of helped to, to recharge them because they did look a lot better against the Blue Jackets last night, even... Uh, you know, despite the win, they look like they played better overall. So let's dive into these games a little bit and just talk about what happened before we have Brian on. He's going to join us uh, a little later. So you go to Saturday night, uh, and, you know, look, I won't go, go over detailed, detailed detail here, but, you know, they played well. I thought they had a very good game, actually, and the offense just dried up. I mean, look, they, they were getting goals uh, pretty decently over the course of that streak, and, and it finally dried up here when they, when, uh, when they went out west, and, you know, they, they made Jones look a lot better between the pipes than, than his numbers actually show this season. For whatever reason, he looked like an all-star against the Islanders. You had Josh Bailey doing his 2012 Josh Bailey impression where a little blast from the pass, he gets an open, you know, opportunity in front of the net, and for whatever reason, he elects to pass it to, I believe it was to Nelson by the goal line. Much worse angle than he was at. Should have just taken the shot. For whatever reason, 
that's the decision that he makes, and, and it's things like that that kind of led to this loss. Uh, you had another golden opportunity for Lee at one point, wide open in front. He put it right into Jones's chest, and they just couldn't get on the board. You know, they had the one goal, but it wasn't enough. And you look at the play that they lost on. In overtime, Jordan Eberle gets beat by Evander Kane on the boards, gets out-muscled there. I mean, that's probably going to happen nine times out of ten when you get those two guys facing up against each other on the boards. Comes away with the puck for a short little two-on-one, and, you know, he sets up Couture with a beautiful goal for, with a beautiful pass to get that overtime goal. And, and uh, you know, I think the Islanders deserve better. I think they, they definitely played a much better game than it showed in the scoreboard, obviously getting the loss. But, you know, there's going to be games like this. Unfortunately, you're just going to have nights where, you know, your team outplays the other guys and, and they, they don't have much to show for it. And it's going to happen throughout the season from time to time. And then this was one of those nights. And, look, you know, you look at the special teams and, you know, the Islanders have been getting a little more power plays this year. You, you talk about the, the great power play conspiracy that uh, we, we, we used to chat about in the early going of the season. They get six opportunities that night and they can't put one in. So you're not going to win many games if you go over six in the power play. So, you know, that failed them as well. The offense just wasn't there. It, it is what it is. Unfortunately, that continued on into, uh, into Anaheim against the Ducks. Uh, they dominated the, thir- the the first period. I think they outshot them something like sixteen to five or something like that, or fourteen to fourteen to something. I don't have it in front of me, but we know that they dominated that first period in shots. And then after that, the ice just tipped the in the Ducks' favor, starting with the second period. You got that rebound goal off the faceoff, and then you get that other play where Letty gets stripped, you know, uh, off the boards in the corner by by Getzlaff, and he sets up Fowler for a nice goal. Wasn't much Grice Grice could do there, and then you know, look. The the last goal on Grice, that's probably one he should have had, you know, coming off the uh, around the hash marks. Nothing in front of him. It just eluded him. It got by him, and it wasn't their night again. Three to nothing, and you know, I thought that would have been a little wake up call, as I said before. Maybe after uh, you know suffering a loss to to a Ducks team that the Islanders probably should have beat, I thought they would turn around, especially given the struggles that L.A. has had, and and I guess for whatever reason the West Coast there, maybe it was the change in hours. Who the hell knows? But they go out to, to L.A. It started off all right when they go up. But uh, then it went downhill after they go up one nothing. That perfect shot down low from Dustin Brown. I mean, geez, the guy's practically on the goal line. I mean, I guess you can give Varlamov a hard time for it if you want. But, I mean, it was just a perfect shot. It goes right over his shoulder. It tucks underneath the, the crossbar. I mean, he had no angle. He had, again, he had to take the perfect shot. It goes in. And, and after that, the Isles just couldn't get it together. And, and all of a sudden, they find themselves... You know, in a hole again. 3-1 goal was a little weak on Varlamov, too. It knuckled on him a little bit, but, you know, probably one he should have had. And then, of course, they give up the empty netter. And then for the first time in a long time, you know, the Isles, they just took the foot off the gas on this trip. They go out west, and they just can't get it together. The offense dries up, and they come home on a 0-2-1 winless skid. And then, you know, again, last night to get to the Barclays Center, uh, very curious, the the whole Thomas Grice thing. He just kind of pulled himself out. Everybody was wondering what was going on. But, you know, then we find out he was feeling ill. He was feeling dizzy. And uh, he exits, ex- exits the game at 14.06. Orlamov comes in cold. And he gives the honors a good showing. M- makes up for uh, the other night against L.A., that's for sure. So they get the uh, they get the 2 nothing shootout win. You get uh, the nice little passing play. The game started off early with a nice goal between, uh, you know, Barzell, Bailey, and Lee. That was Lee's first goal in 12 games since November 1st, and it was his first point since the 7th. So that guy was uh, happy to get that monkey off his back, I am sure. Hopefully that leads to more goals going forward because, let's face it, Anders Lee is one of your top wingers. He just signed that big contract. He's got to be putting up goals for this team. 
So they, you know, and then after that, the, the teams pretty much traded chances. I thought Varlamov held strong. You have that Aliu pass by Pellick that leads to Barzell's breakaway overtime. Uh, sorry, not overtime, breakaway goal. And that's all they needed. And, you know, it, it was tight. I mean, there was definitely a couple opportunities that Columbus had in that game where, you know, they could have scored if Varlamov wasn't off to the task. So hats off to Varlamov for, for bouncing back after that showing in L.A., and and uh, look, I mean, it was a huge win. They they stopped the skid, and, and again, hopefully this is the start of something else. But, folks, that went quick. i got to take a break so I can get Brian Compton in here. So, folks, thank you so much for tuning in to Hockey Night New York. Remember, you can always tune in live or for the archives at HockeyNightNY.com. We will be right back. Thank you so much for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York at HockeyNightNY.com, the premier live podcast covering the New York Islanders and the NHL at large from our studios right here on Long Island, hosted by Sean Cuthbert and Tony Stabile. Tune in weekly during the season Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern time for insights on the team, great special guests, and commentary on all the happenings around the league. If you happen to miss us live, all shows can be streamed or downloaded 24 hours a day, seven days a week at the same address, HockeyNightNY.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher, where you can subscribe and never miss a show, no matter what your preferred platform. Question for the guys? Comments? Interested in the sponsorship? Please contact us at HockeyNightNewYork at gmail.com for any and all inquiries. We appreciate all the support, and as always, let's go Islanders. Love repping your favorite Long Island hockey team? Can't get enough orange and blue swag? Look no further than Yes Men Outfitters, the independent lifestyle brand born on the island to support the game, the team, and the players you love. Visit YesMenOutfitters.com for a wide selection of themed shirts, hats, hoodies, and yes, even pajamas. All apparel is designed and created in-house with the same passion and dedication as your favorite team on the ice. So upgrade your wardrobe and show off your pride today by visiting YesMenOutfitters.com. And don't forget to use promo code HockeyNightNY for 10% off your order. That's YesMenOutfitters.com. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and most of the time Tony Stabile. But tonight you just got me. And joining us right now from NHL.com is none other than Mr. Brian Compton. Brian, thanks a lot for joining me, man. How you doing? Doing well, Sean. How are you? I am all right. Appreciate you coming on. I'm, I'm sorry that uh, we don't have Tony with us. Uh, I'm sure you miss him. But uh, he couldn't make it. He's a little Absolutely. under the weather. Get well soon, Tony. Yes, get well soon, Tony, absolutely. So, look, the Islanders go out west, and they do something they haven't done in a very long time, and that's losing regulation. Obviously, it starts with the loss in San Jose in overtime, but then they just lay two huge stinkers against the Ducks and and L.A., losing by three goals apiece. And let's just talk a little about that. You know, they go out west, and, and, you know, they have the 17-point streak, you know, extended in San Jose. Then it goes goes awash in, in Anaheim. Just talk about what happened out there and, and why this team, it looks like it fi- they finally might have taken their foot off the gas a little bit here. Yeah, I think it's just regression to the mean a little bit, Shawnee. I mean, they weren't going to win, <clears throat> excuse me, every game the rest of the way or get a point in every game the rest of the way. Um, the, obviously, I thought that they played pretty well in San Jose. They only got the point, like you said, and 
Um, and then Anaheim was it was just a complete clunker. They just didn't have any gas. Uh, they didn't have anything going there for sure. Um, and then LA, you know, Barry said I, I go by uh, Barry's a much better judge of what we're watching than we are. Um, and he, and he thought he he thought they that they played okay. Um, I think most of them did. Uh, Semyon Varlamov did not. Um, two of the goals just they can't go in. I mean, the one that Dustin Brown had. Uh, you have to stop that one. And then the other one from right inside the blue line, uh, there's nobody in front of him. He's got to stop that as yeah, well. That so the goaltending wasn't sure. very good. Yeah, so when the goaltending's not good and you're not generating anything offensively, that's a pretty lethal combination. But uh, nice to see them bounce back against the Jackets for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you look at the game last night. They they get back home, They well, at least to their other home in Barclays, and, you know, they put up <laughs> a 2 nothing. Right. They put up a 2 nothing win. And, you know, it looks like this trip maybe just, you know, woke them up. I mean, look, you lose those first two games, you know, maybe the, the Anaheim game's a wake-up call. And, and I thought they were going to come out like, like barnstormers against L.A. And, you know, it started off nice, but then the wheels just fell off. So, you know, maybe they, they, they take this trip home. They get, they get in there against Columbus last night, and the goaltending's back on track. I think, you know, you know Grice, I think, faced, what, nine shots before he took himself out. And then you get Varlamov, yeah. who I think redeemed himself very well after the the outing against LA. So just talk about, you know, you know, maybe you could just uh, talk a little bit about what you saw last night in comparison to how they fared in those games uh, out west. Well, I think the two biggest takeaways from the game against Columbus Shawnee are number one, Andrew Lee scored a goal, which yes. was enormous because he <laughs> yes, hadn't scored nice. in almost a month. Uh, and you could tell just the jubilation and uh, the relief in his face when the puck went in. He needed yeah. that in the worst way. Uh, and number two, the way Varlamov came in cold and played the way that he did. I mean, he was fantastic. So, uh, you know, uh, it's kind of ironic because in the morning, Barry was saying how, uh, you know, he's probably going to do this rotation for another week, and then he wants one of these guys to take the ball and run with it for a little bit. You know, going by history here over the past, you know, two months or so, you would think Rice would be the guy. Sure. Um, And I certainly understand that. I mean, we just did our – uh, all-star picks here at .com, you know, with with the game coming up next month, and Grice made the team for the Metro. Um, ah, nice. But we, I think if there's a reason to be hesitant at all with this, Shawnee, Grice, when he plays the bulk, uh, his play historically has deteriorated a little bit. So um, it's huge for Varlamov to get going here a little bit and maybe stay in this rotation for as long as possible. Yeah, without question. And, I mean, do you have any opinion on that as far as them getting away from this, you know, your turn, my turn goalie rotation? Because it has worked pretty damn well up until very recently. You know, is that something you want to mess with? Or, you know, and again, I'll go back to your words about trusting Barry Trotz with the process, of course. <laughs> but, I mean, right. do, is that something you you want to mess with? Or, you know, do, do, do you agree with Trotz here, you know, deciding, hey, look, we're going to look at riding a hot hand now? I'm not against going with a hot hand. Um, and the, the main reason I say that, Shawnee, is because I think when the season ends in April, we're going to look back, we're going to look at the numbers, and the game started are probably going to be pretty close to what we saw last year anyway, mm-hmm. whether it's an injury or, or something along those lines, or whether, you know, Grice, you know, takes the ball and runs with it here for a little bit, and then Varlamov takes the ball and runs with it for a little bit. Um, I think when push comes to shove, once we get towards April, the numbers are going to be pretty split like they were last year. So, uh, if, if Grace is playing well or if Malone is playing well and Barry wants to run with either of them for a little bit, I don't see any reason why fans should be taking out the pitchforks for sure. 
I'm with you on that one, Brian. And speaking of injuries, you had Nick Letty who sat out the game versus L.A. It looks like whatever was going on with his lower body was bothering him. And then enter Noah Dobson. He gets about 13 minutes of ice time, uh, took a penalty, not, not too much else. But, look, this is going to be an ongoing conversation until one of these defensemen, you know, take a, takes a long-term injury here. Or I suppose if, if Barry Trotz deems one of them needs a break for, for poor play. But let's just talk a little bit, bit about this situation with Noah Dobson now. You know, we, we all know about the, the you know, the, the juniors and NHL thing and how he's pretty much outgrown the juniors. And But he needs to be playing. He needs to be playing. So talk about, you know, just your thoughts on Noah Dobson and how, how he's, you know, having a hard time getting into the lineup here. Yeah, this is an interesting dynamic, Shawnee, because it sounds like this, whatever it is that's bothering Nick Letty, is not going to go away. Um, even asking Barry about it before the game yesterday, uh, you know, I asked him, is Letty good to go? And he said, yes. Well, at least as of now, he's ready. So, I mean, maybe it's something where after warm-ups, Letty can't play. You know, it, and this could be something that doesn't go away in the foreseeable future. So, um, I would love to see Noah Dobson play for Team Canada at World Juniors. Um, the problem is that if this is going to be a nagging thing with Nick Letty or if Johnny Boychuk goes down, uh, you know, Thomas Hickey has been hit hard by the injury bug since he went down to Bridgeport, Shawnee. And there is a huge gap once you get past Thomas Hickey, as far as depth goes in Bridgeport. I know fans like uh, what they've seen from Sebastian Ajo when he had a cup of coffee here a couple of years ago. Right. Uh, I'm just going strictly by the numbers here, Shawnee, because I have not seen it, the, you know, the Sound Tigers play all this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ajo has not been good. Uh, and a lot of it probably is because that they've been so banged up by injury and he's probably, and he's probably playing too much. Um, but Bodie Wild obviously is not ready to play in the National Hockey League. Um, Van de Sample is done for the year, so... Uh, if Hickey's not healthy and you send stops at the World Juniors uh, and Letty's banged up or Boychuk gets hurt or any of these other guys, um, that's going to create a hole in that third pair. So I, I think Dobson is just going to be here. Uh, that's just my guess. And when, they, when he plays, he plays. When he doesn't, he doesn't. I know it's frustrating. Yeah. Um, but I don't see any situation where they send him back to junior for the rest of the year because they do not want him playing 40 minutes a night. Right. No, I agree. I agree. And, and you know, it's it's weird, right? Because you want to see him in the lineup, but essentially you're hoping for an injury <laughs> if he does. You know, so, so exactly it's, right. So and, and, and fans too. Fans have to remember too, Shawnee. This is a different regime that is, you know, their resume speaks for themselves. Yeah. Uh, and I know I, I repeat this a lot, and it's been it bothers fans, but you have to trust these two guys, and they know what's good for Noah moving forward, and they love the kid. Um, and he's going to be, uh, you know, a long-term solution on that blue line for a long time. It's just a matter of when he becomes that player. Right, right, for sure, for sure. Well, let's stick with the lineup here for a little bit, and let's talk about a guy who has been getting in a couple of games coming up from Bridgeport, and that's Otto Koivula. Maybe uh, you can just give your thoughts on what you've seen from him. He most recently was playing with Komarov and Eberle last night against the Blue Jackets. Uh, what do you what do you like from, uh, from Koivula so far? I think the main thing that I like is that you don't notice him. And I, I say that as a compliment because right. if he's making mistakes all the time, Sean, you're going to know when he's out there and you're going to go crazy. Um, would you like to see him contribute a little bit offensively? Sure, especially for a team that hasn't scored much recently. Um, but I think he's been okay. Is he the solution post-trade deadline as this team tries to make a run in the playoffs? I'm not convinced of that, Shawnee. I know fans, I'm sure you can answer about this in a few minutes here, but oh, yeah. uh, fans keep asking about Taylor Hall and trades and whatnot. Um, I think the hole at, at the third center is more glaring than a need for a sniper. Um, I just feel like that, that could, this could be something that could really bite them in the rear ends come playoff time if they don't 
uh, find a solution here. If Koivula grows grows into that role, great. Um, but if not, uh, I think uh, I think Pajot in Ottawa makes a hell of a lot more sense than Taylor Hall or one of these other rentals that might be out there come February. Yeah, I, I like the thought of Pajot as well, and because it, it's true, what's going on with that that middle section there? I mean. You know, it's particularly the third line, if we want to call it that. You know, and I think I have to correct myself. I believe I said Everly was there. It was actually Broussard. It was Leo Koivula and Broussard. And, and I guess that you can kind of bring it to question as well because Broussard got so hot once he was put, you know, in the top six playing with Bavillier and Nelson. And now, look, I get it. The scoring runs dry out west, and, and you know, Barry likes to change things up, so I understand that. But it certainly seems to me that if you're going to have Broussard on the wing – it should probably be back where he was next to Nelson because, look, it, he was brought in to be a center. That didn't work out. And now, like you said, they, they kind of yeah. have this experiment going where it seems like that's that's just the most glaring hole in the lineup right now. So you may be on to something with Pajot for sure. I mean, I think – and I think he would – he's a Barry Trotz player. I mean, I think he, he would just fit in with these guys seamlessly. Uh, he's so good on the penalty kill. Too. I mean, you, you can just think about – uh, the pressure that he would alleviate off a guy like he, he is, Shawnee, I mean, it, they would be so deep down the middle if they could land Pajot before February, you know, late February. Uh, and that, you look at the teams that win, historically, that, that win the whole thing, Shawnee, the, the teams that win are the teams that are so deep down the middle, whether it's Pittsburgh, St. Louis last year, the Bruins, uh, Chicago, when they were winning cups. you right. got to be deep down the middle if you're going to go on a long run. So, again, I think... I know fans want that sexy guy. They want to get Taylor Hall or, uh, you know, a, a sniper who can score 35, 40 goals. And I get it. And it's a lot more entertaining to watch. There's no question about that. Right. Uh, but they're in the business of winning hockey games. And I just think Pajot would make a lot more sense than anybody else right now. Yeah, for sure. And and it's funny. You talk about the, the formula for, for teams winning, winning cups and whatnot. And you make a good argument about being deep down, down the middle. I guess the other argument would be, you know, is that kind of like dual superstar or dual star lineup that all these cup winning teams seems to have, right? Like you talk about Chicago and then you have Taves and Kane. You talk about Pittsburgh with Crosby Malkin and Washington with Backstrom and Ovechkin and the Islanders, as good as they are and as well as they obviously are doing in the standings, they're one of those teams that doesn't kind of have that, you know, uh, dual combo here, you know, before, you know, once 91 left. You know, it's kind of Barzell, and you know, and, and it becomes and it becomes way more glaring when Jordan Eberle is not producing, and he just—I mean, Shawnee. I mean, I know he had the one chance last night. You you, you can barely tell that he's in the lineup. I mean, yeah. he's just been invisible for the latter part of a, of a month. Um, so when that's going on, that's when the fans are really clamoring to get another sniper in here because if Eberle's not scoring, uh, it causes massive problems really throughout the rest of the lineup. So. Uh, but Jordan Eberle's here. I mean, he just signed a big contract, and he's not going anywhere. So it's really on Jordan to, to find a, a, a line that where he can contribute. And I know he's had chemistry with Matt Barzell a lot in the past, and we saw it in the playoffs last year, but he just hasn't gotten going since he came back from that injury, and it's something that needs to be rectified here moving forward. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, look, you have Eberle, you have Lee. These guys just signed big contracts. They're expected to be in your top six. They're expected to be putting up points, and they got to be doing it. I mean, the nice thing is that over the course of that streak, they were still able to score by committee. They didn't necessarily need them, but then you have these few games now where all of a sudden, you know, once once the supporting cast isn't putting up goals, you get 3 nothing losses to the Ducks and, th- you know, 4-1 to one losses to the Kings. So without question. So now with that being said, 
And we already know how you're leaning here, but let's talk about it because his name did come up. Taylor Hall, he could be that, you know, star B to, to Matt Barzell if they were somehow able to get him over here. You have LeBron over at TSN saying that the Devils have started listening to other teams about potentially acquiring Taylor Hall. So I guess... I'll just start by asking you, do you, is that even a possibility? Like, forget about whether you think that's the Isles' first need or not. Is that something that can even happen in division with the New, New Jersey Devils? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, because <laughs> the Devils are going to take the best package available. I mean, right. I don't think the Devils would care if they trade Taylor Hall to the Islanders if they get the return that they're seeking. My problem is, and I've, I've answered this on Twitter a couple of times because people obviously want to know if the Islanders are in the mix for Taylor Hall, unless... I can't see them getting Carroll Hall without parting with Noah Dobson. And I just don't see any scenario where Lou is going to trade Noah Dobson. I just don't. Um, you know, maybe that changes a little bit if Hall, if it's like a, a Mark Stone situation where it's kind of like a sign and trade, Shawnee, mm-hmm. then maybe it becomes a possibility. Um, but if they sign Taylor Hall, uh, then what are you going to do when it's Barzell's turn for a contract? And then right. you got to sign guys like Devontae's and Ryan Pollock. So it's going to cause a massive problem with their cap. Um, and I just don't know if it's going to be a, a, something that Lou pursues. Um, and mainly, it, it, as much as it could be about the cap, Shoney, I think it's more about Noah Dobson. They love this kid, uh, and they want him on, on, on their blue line for the next eight to ten years, without a doubt. So I just don't see any scenario where the Devils would trade Taylor Hall for the Islanders without getting Noah Dobson in return. Really? Wow. Well, that's a tough pill to swallow, but I guess, look, you got to look at I mean, it from... but it, again, going back to Stone, Shawnee, that's why that's why he went to Vegas, because Vegas traded their top defensive prospect and Eric Branstrom. That, that's what it takes to get one of these top rentals, plus, you know, a number one pick or whatever else you're going to throw in. Um, and getting back to Pajot, I think Pajot is clearly not going to demand what, uh, you know, Ray Shiro is going to demand in New Jersey. So, uh, I think it's a safer bet. It's not going to cost you as much. And I, I think he, I know people are going to think I'm crazy. I think he might be a better fit. No, I think I think there's something to that as well. You know, because every now and then you see a team go out and acquire a star, and for whatever reason they just don't gel with the team. And and you know they they don't do as well as you expect. I mean, you can kind of look up north in Toronto, right? <laughs> I mean, prior to the coach exactly. exchange, they were struggling with with the uh, the amount of talent that they have up there. But I mean, look. And, and these things are easier to to look look at in hindsight, of course. But you see where the Islanders are now. You know they're they're basically a top five team in this league. You know you look at St. Louis up there, Boston up there, Washington up there, Edmonton, but they're right there. And you know you look at what they can and can't do. You know between now and the trade deadline to to that to hopefully you know add that final piece. And so, granted, you don't know if anything's going to be a guarantee. But if you if Let's just say Hall is on the table for the Islanders, and it does take a Noah Dobson. I mean, if if the goal is the cup here, do you do you bite that bullet and, and trade away your most prized prospect and maybe a first round pick so, to give yourself the best chance at a cup, or do you play it safe? It's a tough call, right? It is a tough call, and uh, I I touched on this with with Carver months ago. The Matt Barzell negotiations are going to be a mess. It's just a feeling <laughs> that I have, Tony. I think I think it could be something oh that drags on into next season, honestly. Um, he, I mean, he's been on the record multiple times now talking about how happy he is for, you know, guys like Rantanen and, and right. Marner who are getting paid when, when, you know, making all this money now as right. opposed to seven or eight years down the road. So he's going to be in that mix. I can't see any scenario where he makes less than, let's say, nine and a half per. I think that's probably the minimum. I think he's probably seeking 10 plus. 
Um, so yeah. maybe it is kind of worth it to, to bite the bullet and trade your best prospect in a pick to get a Terrell and go for it now because you just have no idea what the future holds with some of these contracts. Well, that's a scary thought, Brian. Thanks for that. But- no, uh, look, I'm just trying to keep it real. I, I just don't <laughs> see I, – I would be shocked if Matt Barzell is signed by the start of training camp next September. I would just be completely surprised, but hopefully I'm wrong. Wow. Wow. So you see a real battle. I mean, look, I mean, Lou has been known to be stubborn in the past with his contract negotiations. He he uh, made Mitch Marner not a very happy camper when he was talking to him about his contract. So I hear where you're coming from. But, man, you really think this is going to go through to the training camp, huh? Yeah, because, and I think part of it, too, Shawnee, is I don't think he I, – I don't – I again, I could be wrong. This is just my gut feeling. I don't think he wants to go past UFA. So you're talking, what, a five or maybe a six? Yeah, I have to look it up. Five or six at the most. Wow. Uh, and Lou's thinking might be, well, if you want $10 million, you got to give up a couple of years of unrestricted free agency. And I just don't see a scenario where Matt's going to be willing to do that. We'll see. Wow. Wow. Scary thought. I guess at least we don't have to worry about that until uh, until much, much later. So let me ask you. Well, one I'm last... happy to cheer you up anyway. <laughs> yeah, appreciate that, become. <laughs> so last one before I let you go. And, look, we're just over a quarter through the season, and this team, you know, got hot, you know, in October this year as opposed to December last year. They look real good. It looks like, for all intents and purposes, they're going to be towards that, that top five or so teams in the league if things kind of hold the way that they have. And it's amazing they're not higher than they are, given the streak they had, just because you have teams around them that are, that are constantly winning and whatnot, too. But... You know, what do you think the future is for this this year's version of the team? And, you know, what's 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 the limit here? How far do you think this team can go? And, and, and you know, to com- combine off of that, you know, are they just that one piece away from being a true contender, whether it's a Pajot or a Taylor Hall? Yeah, I think they need one more piece, uh, especially if they have to go through a team like the Bruins in the playoffs because just as right. currently constructed, Shawnee, I don't know how they beat Boston four times yeah. in seven games. I just don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they can beat anybody else. Uh, I think that if, if they don't have to go through the Bruins, uh, I don't see why they can't win the whole thing. I mean, who other than the Bruins, is there a team that is so much better than them that they can't win the whole thing? Um, so, yeah, if, if, if they can get some help, come trade that line and, go, and you know, go on a huge run. Um, and the only caveat that I would throw in there that I should have thrown in earlier, Shoney, is they're as good as they are, a large part, besides Barry Trotz, that's the obvious reason, but um, there's so much chemistry in that room. Right. So if you're talking about making a huge trade and breaking up, you know, a key piece in that room that does, you know, whatever goes on in that locker room, you know, in between periods or after practice, whatever, yeah. uh, you got to be cognizant of that because chemistry is, it has played such a role in why the owners are where they are. Um, but having said that, if they can go out and get a, a, a Hall or a Pajot or somebody that can put them over the top, um, I can't see why Lou wouldn't bite the bullet and, and go for it. Because, again, uh, the Bruins, to me, are the only team that uh, would really give them issues come April or May. Yeah, I'm with you that, Brian. Well, listen, awesome having you on. Really appreciate the time. Thank you so much, and I uh, hope to have you on again soon. All right, bud? Anytime, pal. Thanks for having me. Take care. You got it. Take care. All right, folks, that was none other than Mr. Brian Compton, the deputy managing editor over at NHL.com. Some great stuff from him. Talk a little trades here, and maybe it's a little early. It is December, but look, you hear a name like Taylor Hall pop up, and you got to talk about it. So maybe I'll just add a a couple more of my uh, two cents into that discussion now after having talking to, uh, to Brian about it. And look, I'll say this. I'm glad that I don't have Lou Lamarillo's job. 
because that's a tough job to have. You know, having to make these decisions. I think Brian made some awesome, awesome points talking about the chemistry of this team, how that's been a huge part of the team's success. And, you know, look, you're going to be toying with that, you know, for obvious reasons if you make a deal. I mean, even if you end up sending a guy like Noah Dobson who hasn't gotten into a lot of games, he's a newer face, so maybe he's not as, as deeply entrenched into the chemistry as that team as the rest of the lineup. But even still, you introduce a new character like Taylor Hall or Peugeot, whoever it may or may not be. And, you know, it, it could toy with the chemistry. It changes the lineup around a little bit. And, you know, you don't want to wreck a good thing because, I mean, look, despite the, the, the recent skid here, there's, there's a real thing, good thing going on here, you know, for the Islanders. So, again, I'm glad I don't have Lou's job. But as far as, you know, the, the type of pickup that they need, you know, I've, I've for a long time I've been in the camp of, of bringing in that, that second stud, you know, like a Taylor Hall type of player. To, you know whether he's riding shotgun on Barzell's line or not, just to have that other option because he is a guy who can you know lead a line on his own. He can carry a team on his back for a game if if Barzell isn't having a, his greatest game. You know what I mean? It's just having another guy who can be a game breaker, a game changer if and when the other guy you know isn't going. And right now, you know if you get Barzell taking a couple nights off, not to say I think he will, but if maybe he just even has some off nights. You know, then you're pretty much looking now to the, the rest of the supporting cast. You don't have any true star power to step in and and fill in for for Barzell if he's not having a good game or if he's out of the lineup or whatever the case may be. So you know, I think there's there's a lot to be said about you know acquiring you know Taylor Hall. And look, I think the Islanders are close enough to to you know going all the way here. You know, if they did add a guy like Taylor Hall, add another piece to this team. I mean, look how good that they're playing and. And, yeah, I think the Bruins are the team that scares me the most, too, you know, in the league. That's not to say there aren't other good teams out there, you know, when you name teams like the Blues and, and Washington. But I think they can, they, they'd have a, a better time beating those teams in a seven-game series than they would Boston just because they're so deep top to bottom. They, they have the size. They have, they have the skill. It's just an all-around great team. They have the, the goaltending as well. It's just – it is tough to see the Islanders beating them in a seven-game series. Not to say that I don't think they can – but it certainly would be a tall task. So bringing in a guy like Taylor Hall makes a lot of sense to me, you know, to add that firepower, to add to the scoring, even though the scoring has been improved this year. You know, you look at the, this recent streak and you see, okay, maybe they could still use a, another weapon there, you know, so they can fire more pucks on the net and, and hopefully get some more goals. So now I'll go over the Pajot discussion because he's a guy that I like too. And look, he's, a, he's another pending unrestricted free agent. We all know Ottawa's not going anywhere this year. So he's more than likely going to be on the trading block because they're just shipping everybody away. They're collecting young guys. They're collecting picks and prospects. So it, look, if, if you can't get Taylor Hall, and I'm not even necessarily stay, saying that Hall would be my first priority, but you know if, if that's the way Lou's swinging and he can't c- catch a deal there, I think a guy like Pajot would be great because as Brian and I discussed, you just have that that hole right now in that third-line center spot that, you know, Barry's been tinkering with and trying to see who's good there and who fits, and I don't know if they really have the perfect fit in this lineup. We've already learned pretty early in the game that Derek Broussard is probably not going to be that guy. He's he's fared well much better on the wing. I'd like to see him more on, on Nelson's wing because of all the chemistry he's had with him and, and Bavillier, but look, they got to get somebody in there in that center spot. I don't know if Koivul is ready. Uh, you know, it doesn't look like Trotz really trusts him yet. I mean, maybe that'll come over the course of the year. He still has plenty of time to, to get himself really acclimated with the NHL game, and maybe he does become a little more noticeable for good reasons out there in the ice, and maybe he can pot a couple of points here and there, or at the very least just fill that role so that, 
you know, he's not a liability out there. And, you know, hopefully over time he can earn that trust. Otherwise, yeah, that's that's a position that these Islanders are going to fill. And, and you can make a real strong argument that a guy like Pajot might be a higher priority than a guy like Taylor Hall, as crazy as that may sound to some of you. But, you know, they're, they're pretty well fleshed out in the rest of the lineup as far as the forwards go. You know, look, you'd like to have maybe a stronger score than... than a Bavillier or Bailey, perhaps, if you could, in the top six. So you have a guy like Hall riding shotgun with uh, with Matt Barzell. But it's going to be very interesting to see how Lou plays it because, obviously, you know, he had some swings and misses last year. We knew that, you know, he was in on stone, as Brian just said, but he wasn't willing to give up a guy like Noah Dobson. So, I don't know, maybe an Oliver Wallstrom enters the conversation. Are you guys out there willing to give up a guy like him in order to land a big fish like Taylor Hall? You're not going to pay that much to get a, a Pajot, but look, if you want a guy like Taylor Hall, you're going to have to give to get, and it probably starts with either a Dobson or a Wallstrom, and then you're talking a, you know, first round pick, and you know maybe a little sweetener too, you know maybe another second rounder, maybe you know another B level prospect, whoever that may be. Now me, look, I I'm all for for building for the future, and you know having a nice stable of prospects and picks and whatnot, but. I do think this team is close enough where they can compete for a Stanley Cup. And I think if there's a deal out there that Lou's willing to swallow, I think you make it. I think you go out there and you get a guy and you add to this team. Would we all hate to lose a, a stud like Noah Dobson? Yes. Would we all hate to lose a potential stud like Oliver Wallstrom? Yes. But at the end of the day, if that brings them that much closer to having a chance at that Stanley Cup, you know, I'll I'll drive those guys to the airport. I mean, look, we can't see the future. We don't know what's going to happen. It's a risk either way, but it's one I'm willing to take. You know, if you can get Taylor Hall, Pajot, or whoever else that isn't available now, that maybe by the trade deadline that can help this team. I think they got to go for it. I think, you know, maybe Lou's got to be a little more aggressive this time. You know, because who knows what would have happened if they had have acquired a guy like Mark Stone at the deadline last year. You know, what could have been? Would the Carolina series have been different? You know, most likely. So we'll see. We got plenty of time for that. We're still only 24 games in, but you hear a name like Taylor Hall, and uh, it's pretty exciting. And again, like who even knows if the Devils are willing to, to deal with the New York Islanders in division? And, and if they are, it may cost a little bit more because I'm sure Ray Shiro would much rather you know ship Taylor Hall out west or wherever else, you know, than have to see him, you know, playing for the New York Islanders at the very least for the rest of this year and. Perhaps a lot longer than that if they somehow find a way to, to extend it beyond just, you know, getting them here this season. So it'll be interesting to see how that whole situation plays out. I personally, I don't think he goes to the Islanders. I think he's going somewhere else. I think it's going to be too tough a task for Lou to bring him in, but I'm certainly ready and willing for him to, to prove me wrong. So we'll see how that goes. And Folks, I think we pretty much covered uh, mostly everything here. I think I'm just going to... Uh, I'll look at the week ahead real quick. Uh, we'll do the Hero of the Week right now, and then we'll wrap these things up. So just want to say thanks again for you guys tuning in. Sorry that Tony's not here. He's a little under weather, but I'm sure he'll be back with us next time. So here we go, Hero of the Week. Now, granted, we only really have one game to choose from, thanks to the, to the skid out west. But last night, look, the Islanders bounced back to get the win. So let's talk about some heroes from that game. And... You know, I have a couple of options here, but I'm going to give it to Matt Barzell. He's going to be my hero of the week. He had a goal and an assist last night against Columbus. And, you know, it's not just for that. Even though he put zeros up on the board out west against L.A., Anaheim, and San Jose, he was also a combined minus four in those games. But anyway, look, he still drives the offense of this team. He was still creating chances in those games, even if they didn't pan out. And look, he had a great game last night. He has the, the assist and the pretty passing play for Lee's goal. And of course, he finishes that breakaway off the wild pass from 
Adam Pellick. And I'll just give a, an honorable mention to Semyon Varlamov for once again coming in cold, uh, relieving Thomas Grice after he felt ill. And he made a bunch of big stops and kept Columbus off the board. And let's face it, they had a lot of close calls. I mean, Sonny Milano, he hit a post. I think it might have even deflected off of Varlamov off, on the way towards the post. But look, great game for Varlamov. And, you know, kind of wipes away the, the poor start that he had against L.A. And hopefully we see more out of him um, going forward, like tonight, as opposed to uh, what he did over in L.A. So, honorable mention to him. Matt Barzell, once again, your hero of the week. And from there, we will just look ahead at what's coming up this week, and then we will close this thing out. So, folks, once again, thank you for sticking with me. Let's bring up the schedule here. And we're in December. I can't believe it. It's Christmas time. It's holiday time. And we are full steam ahead with games. I mean, it's and it starts tomorrow. You got another short, short little road trip. You got back-to-backs tomorrow night against Detroit in Detroit. Then you have Montreal in, in Montreal on Tuesday before Vegas comes to town on Thursday. They'll be coming to the Nassau Coliseum. And then the Isles go back out west on Saturday against the Dallas Stars. That'll be a 9 o'clock start. Also, Isles Meetup is going to be having a, a little event going on, a viewing party. If you want to go down, that's going to be at McCann's in Massapequa, so definitely come down. I will probably be there. It's going to be a good time. Devin from Yes Men Alfreds will be there selling his merch. All good stuff. So big credit to Brian for putting that together over at Isles Meetups. Should be another great time. But let's talk about these games a little bit. You got Detroit, you know, struggling team, one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, that's the team that the Isles are all over. But as we saw, Bad things can happen against a team like this. You saw what happened against L.A., so you can't take anything for granted. Put your best foot forward, but that's that's two points that they should bank. I mean, crying out, for crying out loud, Detroit only has 17 points on the season. They're 7-19-3, so you got, if you're going to look at this in a back-to-back situation, <laughs> take the two points from Detroit and see what happens in Montreal because Montreal is always a tough building to play in. And they're having a little bit better season than Detroit. So that'll be a tough game. Carey Price, look, it doesn't matter sometimes what the players, what the skaters on the ice do if Carey Price is between the pipes. And he's, uh, <laughs> you know, shutting you, shutting you out. But right now, Montreal is actually on an eight-game losing streak. So I don't know if that's going to still be the case by the time we get to Tuesday. But maybe you like to pounce on them. I actually didn't even realize they were losing that much. But, but here we are. So that's going to be a tough back-to-back. But we know that the Islanders fare well have fared well in back-to-back since Barry Trotz took over, so hopefully that remains to be the case. You get the day off Wednesday. Vegas comes in on Thursday. They're struggling a little bit, a little bit more than I think we all expected. We thought they were going to be a little closer to the top of the league. They're currently 4-5-1 and one in their last 10, but they are on a two-game winning streak. So Vegas, another tough team. Can't look past them. they got a lot of good weapons on that team, so we'll see what the Islanders can do with them at the Nassau Coliseum. I think that'll be Vegas' first appearance at the Coliseum, if I remember right. I think uh, previously Vegas had only come to Barclays. I may be wrong. But either way, you got that on Thursday. And then, of course, they will close out the week on Saturday, like I said, against Dallas. Again, if you're free, come on down to McCann's in Massapequa for Isles Meetup. That'll be a very good time. And speaking of get-togethers, I just want to put this stuff out there real quick before we close it up. We have a couple more viewing parties of our own here with Hockey Night New York. We're going to have the next one Friday, December 27th. That's going to be against the Chicago Blackhawks in 
Chicago. We'll have a viewing party there. We're going to go live at 7 o'clock. The puck drops at 8.30. We will be at the Offside Tavern in Manhattan. Can't wait to hang out with Nick and the staff. They always do a fantastic job. That's going to be a good time. Devin from Yes Man Outfitters will be in the house. He'll be there with his crew. He'll be selling his merch. So another great time. We hope you guys come on down. And Tony Stabile will be there, even though he's not here tonight. So that's going to be a good time. Also want to push Monday, January 13th against the New York Rangers. We'll be having a viewing party at Parlay in Rockville Center. That's going to be a great time. That's going to be the first Islander Ranger game of the season. They will be in the garden that night. And, hey, the Rangers are playing pretty good. So that game actually might be a decent decent one to get together and watch. I mean, look, the Rangers are, you know, they won the last one. They're 6-3-1 in their last 10, 13-9-3 overall in 25 games played. So, look, they're, they're, they're looking for a wild card spot right now. They're, they're being pretty competitive even though they have that young team. So that's probably going to be a good game. So we hope you guys come out for that too. So a lot of things, a lot of good things happen, a lot of fun happening. And I think that's going to do it for me. So, folks, sorry Tony wasn't with us tonight, but I do appreciate you coming in and hanging out with me. I'm going to play the music here, and we're going to get out of here. So, folks, thank you so much for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Tony Stabile. Remember, you can always catch us live or for the archives at HockeyNightNY.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at HockeyNightNY. You can follow Tony Stabile at Tony Stabile. And you can follow myself at Shawnee Hockey. So, for myself, thank you so much for, for tuning in and joining us here. Big thanks to Brian Compton for helping me out. And we'll see you guys next time. Take care, folks.